Hey, fam, hey, one more time. Let's give it up to all the dads in the house. The dads with us online, the dads with us in our house churches. Hey, if you are in the house today, make sure you grab a picture with your family, grab some chocolate bacon on the house on your way out. And I just wanna say this, even before we take another step, guys, we honor you, we salute you, we need you, your family loves you. Wow, we need your leadership, we need your love, we need your example. Um, my dad is here in the house today. Ron Bowie, why don't you stand up real quick? Give your van a white wave to everybody. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, so you, you just saw it just a second ago on, on the screen here, but uh, today we're doing something, and, it, and it, I love how it just ties in uh, to what today is, but we are taking another step here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, when you pray. Very strategically, he does not say if you pray. He says, when you pray. Now, I need to say this before we take another step because some of you are already falling asleep because let's just be honest, we have a love-hate relationship with prayer. Right? You know, I, oh, I know we're not supposed to say that in church. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with prayer. You can just mock me silently in your soul, okay? <laughs> Here's the deal. Now, I'm not talking about like praying before I eat. I'm talking about like praying what prayer actually is, like pausing your life and dialoguing with the king. I have a love-hate relationship with that because in the book of James, God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And I don't know about you guys, but I've done that. Like, I have drawn near to God. I have experienced God. I have seen miraculous answers to my prayers. I have um, felt an intimacy, a burning in my heart more than any man, woman, sin, person, thing, experience could ever do. Like, I have met the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. And yet, at the same time, many times, I have zero desire to pray. I'll, I will go a while and I'll be like, man, all I've been doing is praying 911 prayers. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, you're like, you just come into God's presence. You're like, God, I need help. <laughs> okay, all right, bye. <laughs> there, there, there are times where I just feel like, like my prayers are bouncing off the walls. There are times where sometimes just a super honest, I'm like, is God even listening to this? Anybody else ever been there before? Okay, yes, I'm in the right place. We've all struggled with prayer before, yet at the same time, here's what I think most of us would acknowledge is that prayer is absolutely vital to our lives, right? And here, here's how I'd say it, guys. Here's the truth, is that we are a reflection of our prayer life, right? The quality of our lives is directly connected to the quality of our prayer lives, and I don't mean that in an American sort of way, like, oh, I have three Ferraris because I pray really well. No, I'm talking about like the deepest place of your life, like who, the, my state of being, like my life is directly connected to the state of my prayer life. And because it's in prayer, I love this, it's in prayer that God adds his super to our natural to create the supernatural in our lives. And I believe that we're in the midst of this, and I believe that God's gonna do more and more and more of this and over the next few weeks. I believe that God is going to revolutionize our prayer lives. Because, because think about it like this. Imagine, what if I told you that there was a way to pray that in six months from now, if we pray like this, that you won't even recognize your life? 
Like there, there's a way to pray that it impacts your marriage, your family, your relationships. Like it begins to transform that. There's a way to pray that I believe begins to transform even your health. There's a way to pray that begins to bring your financial life into alignment. There's a way to pray that begins breaking the stronghold of sin off of our lives. There's a way to pray that, gr- that breaks the grip of the devil off of our lives. There's a way to pray that God's glory begins breaking out in our life and in our world. There's a way to pray. Right? There is a right way and a wrong way to pray. But when we pray, here's what I love. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, here's what he said. He said, when you work, you work. But when you pray, come on, God works. <laughs> and, and I freely acknowledge that there are things, many things, most things that God can do that I cannot do. And when we pray, we're saying, God, I can't, but you can and I love this, guys. One of the things that I love that Jesus did more than, more than pretty much everything else, I love that he taught us how to pray. There's good news today, guys, that we don't have to like blindly feel out in the darkness about how to play, pray. We don't have to wing it like Jesus himself taught us how to pray. And he lays it out here in the Sermon on the Mount. And so a little bit of cultural context, okay? At this time, uh, when Jesus is walking the earth like this, uh, the rabbis of the day would teach their disciples short, little, brief prayers, all right? And the idea of that prayer was not to like verbatim, mindlessly say that prayer over and over and over and over and over again. The idea of that prayer, hear it like this, was to be a blueprint of prayer that you could build a house of prayer on. Hear what I'm trying to say. The idea was not to just pray that prayer over and over and over and over and over again. No, the idea of the prayer was to use that prayer to pray like that, to use that as a blueprint of prayer to pray and build a house of prayer upon. And that is why Jesus says this, Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 7, Jesus says, and if, no, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So pause. Um, in high school, uh, I, you know, I've said this before, I, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, so I, we, we prayed through the Lord's Prayer as is very reverently, like there, I, my soul began to connect to it, but on my baseball team, we, uh, there was a lot of church kids inside there, so I don't know what your background is, but listen, what we would do before every single baseball game is we'd put our hands into the middle, and we would speed pray the Lord's Prayer. Anybody, anybody know you? Can we still do this? Okay. And we put our hands in and we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, the will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Gives us day our daily bread, forgives our debts as we forgive our debts and leads us not into temptation. Believe us through you and thine is kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. <laughs> and I think we thought that if we prayed that like really fervently and enough, that it would make God give us the W. <laughs> and imagine our disappointment. <laughs> when we lost so many games, so many games. And we were like, it doesn't work. Like, I, I, there's not the magical incantation to just kind of pray this prayer, right? Because why? We were just mindlessly repeating a word over and over and over and over and over again. And that's why Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So here's the deal. Some of us are already out here asking them, well, why do I pray? If God already knows what, what I need, why do I even pray? Well, one, because this is how he set it up. Two, he gives us the dignity. He dignifies us by allowing us to come to him and express our heart to him. And three, I love this. First um, John 5 says that if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, he will answer. 
right? So the key is not to just mindlessly, you know, blah, 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 just, just to say it, 50 Our Fathers. The key is like, am I actually coming, praying according to God's will? Now here's the, the million dollar question. How in the world do we know what God's will is? How do we know how to pray God's way? Wow, Jesus says it. This then is how you should pray. So here, let's do this. Victory, come on. Can we, do, can we pray? This, this is how Jesus taught us to pray. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you read the New King James, it adds, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. This prayer right here, the Lord's Prayer, I'm just gonna say this without even a check in my soul. The Lord's Prayer is the greatest prayer that has ever been uttered in the history of the world. The Lord's Prayer. Some of the greatest men, St. Augustine, men like Martin Luther, would actually say that the Lord's Prayer is the most beautiful thing in the entire Bible. There's no, they would say, there's nothing more wonderful in the entire Bible than the Lord's Prayer. Yet, we live in a world that doesn't even know it. Right? Hot off the press. I don't know if y'all saw this this last week on Jeopardy. Did y'all see this? Like, the, 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 the three, supposed to be like three people representing the smartest people in our country. They were asked the question about the Lord's Prayer. They said, uh, fill in the blank, right? You know, our Father who art in heaven, blank, be your name. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. All three of them didn't get it. This is real. That actually just happened. We have one of the greatest gifts from God on how to actually talk to God, yet we don't even know it. We don't even know it. And then we, listen, then we wonder, why aren't my prayers being answered? Because we're not praying the way that God himself taught us to pray. And I believe this, guys. I believe that the secret, hear me right when I say this, the secret that unlocks the fullness of God in your life is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is such an important prayer, not just because of the, the prayer as is, but because it's a blueprint for prayer. Uh, the, the prayer calls us to come in and pause on certain parts to pray the most important prayers we're over pray, right? And here, here's how I'd say it. We're not, we are called to pray this, right, the Lord's Prayer. But we're not just called to pray this, we're called to pray like this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me say it another way. Imagine like Jesus gives us the Lord's prayers, the interstate, but he gives us these beautiful exit ramps to pray along the way, to exit and just camp out and see the scenery along the way as we pray, not just as mindlessly speed pray it through before a baseball game or we're in a church service or something like that, but to actually pause in these different parts to prayer. So here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. And maybe you've never seen this before. So I, I want to give us, and, and I believe that Jesus gives us what I would just call seven aspects to personal prayer. So here's the first thing. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Just pause, right? Many of us, were just used to just boom, just flying right past that. No, no, no. I believe there's an invitation. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pause, say law on that. And what we're doing is we're establishing his presence in the room. And then we just kind of pray along that line. Then we take another step. Your kingdom come. And what we're doing is we're praying the, the expansion of his kingdom, we're praying that his kingdom would expand. And so just pause, just, just kind of say law on that. 
God, I want your kingdom not just to be there or a little place here or there. God, I want your kingdom to come to the whole earth. Like, pray, pause, pray along that. Then we move to uh, uh, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm praying not just that his kingdom would come out there, but his kingdom would come in here. And then pause and then pray on that. Get, and then you move on to give us this day our daily bread. And so I'm actually praying in his blessing into my life. Here's what I want you to notice. This is the first time we actually ask for something for us. Not numero uno, numero cuatro, right? We're deep into this prayer by the time we're even asking for anything for us because there's some things that are important that we have to do first before we can ever rightly ask for ourselves, right? And then we move on, forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors are dependent on your denomination, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And what, what we're doing is saying, God, I wanna have a clean heart. I wanna live rightly in this world. I wanna forgive as I have been forgiven, right? And then we move on. Lead us not into temptation. What I'm actually doing, I wanna prepare myself to, to walk in love with God. God, I, I, don't want, I don't wanna dishonor your name by sinning against you. And then it leads us into establishing authority for which is deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because sometimes I need to remind myself in prayer that there is one who has authority over the one who's against me. And I wanna establish his authority in prayer. And so Jesus teaches us to pray like this. Not just to recite it. Yeah, pray this, but also pray like this. See, see the Lord's Prayer as this interstate with these beautiful exit ramps. And today, we're gonna take an exit ramp on the first part of the prayer of establishing his presence of how Jesus teaches us to pray. I love this. On Father's Day, we're praying our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What we're doing is we're focusing on how Jesus tells us to enter into the place of prayer. Right? Here's the reality. Let's just kind of face it like this. A lot of us just kind of um, walk into prayer but okay, can I just kind of, okay, here's what we do. We're like, oh no, I got a lot of stuff going on today. It's been three weeks since I prayed. All right, I got some stuff. God, I need you to come through. Need you to move angels. Time to get moving. Rally it up. Get in your flaming chariot, <laughs> chariots and like come down here and do this stuff. All right, bye. And we kind of come into God's presence. We throw our requests. We snap a few fingers. We make some demands. Amen. And Okay, how many parents we got in here? How many of you hate it when your kid treats you like that? And you wanna be like, hey, 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 I'm more than a piggy bank, right? Your kid ever just walk in like demanding stuff and then you're like, no. Come here, come here, let's talk, let's talk. I have some sons on the front row who are acknowledging that this is their life right now. And I think this is what, listen, this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, prayer is not a transaction. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer isn't just like saying this formula, making some demands, rubbing the genie in the bottle, right? Living by the power of attraction. Come on. And because this whole story is about me. No, 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 no. This is a relationship. And here's what he's saying. Before we ever ask a thing of God, the first thing Jesus tells us how to do is to enter into God's presence the right way. And the right way to enter into God's presence is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are we doing? Here's what we're doing. We are establishing God's presence in prayer. We're establishing God's presence in the room. And I'm gonna unpack this, okay, uh, for, for a while here. 
establishing God's presence in prayer is, I'm just gonna say it, is the most important thing that we can do in prayer. It's more important than you asking anything. Because the problem is, if we don't establish his presence, we will not pray rightly. But if we can establish his presence, it changes everything about the way that we pray. So, so I was talking to Pastor Dennis about this this week, and we kind of laid this out. Okay, here's how I'd say it. Maybe, maybe not too sociologically expert or anything, but the dynamics of presence. Here's what I'd say it. So in any sort of uh, relationship, in any sort of interaction, there are four dynamics of presence, right? And so let's just bring it into our relationship with God. So who do we know God to be? What is God like? Is God here in the room? Does God have enough power to deal with what's happening in my life, right? Like, so who do I know him to be? Second thing is my position and level of relationship with, with God, okay? So who do I know God to be? Now, here's the second thing. Who am I in relationship with that God, right? Are you primarily a sinner? Are you primarily a slave or are you a son? Are you a saint? What is, who is he and who am I? Right? And then we can move to this third thing, how confident we are. Here's what I know. If, if, if you don't know really who he is and you don't know really know who you are in relationship to him, you won't be very confident in his presence. And that leads us into the fourth thing, how you hope or expect that person to respond. So here's the deal. If I show up and I don't really think God's in the room and I don't really know who he is and therefore I really think that I'm a, I'm a slave and so therefore I'm just kind of coming in as a beggar and I don't really have any faith or expectation. Listen, and then we, we leave that place and we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered. It's because we never established the presence of God in the room. And here's what I'd say, guys. The longer that I'm a pastor, I've been doing this for a while now. The longer that I'm a pastor, the more I realize that most people have an incorrect view of God. A totally incorrect view of God. They see God is this like in a galaxy far, far away, this impersonal, nameless being who has better things to do than to spend time with him. Right, and, and I don't know if he's mostly mad or mostly sad or mostly glad when he thinks about me and I see myself as a servant and so therefore I have no confidence in his presence, right? And, and therefore we don't really have any faith that our prayers will be answered. So the longer I do this, the more I say that people have a really incorrect view of God and right beside that, listen, this is very important, right beside, beside that, the longer I do that, I realize the primary reason why people have an incorrect view of God is because they confuse their father in heaven with their father on earth. And let's just be honest, guys. Most of us got daddy issues. How do I know that most of us have father issues? How do I know? Mother's Day. <laughs> That's how I know we have father issues because of Mother's Day. Okay, you're like, what are you talking about? Okay, Mother's Day. You ever tried to go into a restaurant 12 o'clock on Mother's Day? They just laugh at you. They're like, okay, let's see. Well, you can come back Wednesday. We might have a table open for you three days from now, right? Okay, go to a restaurant on Father's Day. They're like, hey, welcome in. You're our first customer today. Take your pick. Where do you want to sit? Right, there are little crickets over in the corner. Ain't nobody there. Yeah, on Mother's Day, you go into Kroger. You go into Kroger's going to Kroger's on Mother's Day, the whole store, it's cards, flowers, chocolates, balloons, little presents, last minute, oh no, I forgot, like you can go in there, going to Kroger's on Father's Day, it's the same three cards that were there last year, and they just never even sold them, they just like dusted them off, blew them off, put them back out, 
Because <laughs> we got some daddy issues. We love us some mama. When it comes to dad, we're like, mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And here's the problem of that, okay? Is that whether we realize it or not, we will put the characteristics of our earthly father on our heavenly father. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. If your father wasn't around, you probably see God the Father as distant. If your father wasn't really a provider, you probably struggle with trusting God as your provider. If your father didn't really love you, you probably struggle with the concept of the love of God. If your father abused you, you read draw near to God and he'll draw near to you and you're like, no thanks. But a good father, come on somebody, even a good earthly father models godliness for his family. A good father provides for his family. A good father uh, imparts wisdom to his kids. A good father loves his family unconditionally. A good father blesses his kids. A good father raises his children up in the way that they should go as they grow old that they wouldn't depart from. A good father imparts identity into his children. A good father lays his hands on his kids, loves his kids, blesses his kids. And really, here's what a good father does. A good father makes it easy for his kids to see God as father. That's really the end. That's the test of whether or not you're a good father is can your kids see God as father because they first saw God as father in you. And let me just say, guys, if you had a father like that, you are blessed. And you just right now, listen, unashamedly, you need to just praise God that you had a good father. You should. I had a good father. There are good fathers in this church. Listen, I, I am the, pro- I say this, <laughs> like no confusion about this. I am the product of generational blessing. I am. I am the product of multiple generations of Christ followers that's been passed on to me. I'm trying to raise my sons up in the same way. And we have men in this house who you were the ones to break the generational curse. You say, like, I was handed this, but I'm not going to give this to my kids. You're changing generational blessing. You're changing what's passed down. Come on. I honor you. We need you. We salute you. I want to call you up today. I'm going to give you the curse to keep on going. We need good dads. And we got a lot of good dads in this house right here. We do. We do, we do, we do. But we know this, guys. The challenge is a lot of us did not grow up with good fathers. And so we have a hard time seeing God as a good father. But the good news is here, right here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, that we have a good father that once we get to know him, is once we get to know our heavenly father the right way. Listen, you will never lack for a father the rest of your life. Your mother and father may have forsaken you, but God never will. And that is why the first words of Jesus when he's teaching us how to pray is, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. And he takes a breath and says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. What does hallowed mean? Hallowed means to be set apart, to be reverenced as holy, to be honored and to be worshiped. That word holy right there means different, completely different than anything you've ever experienced before, set apart, just pulled apart, completely different. And so what it's saying is when we hallow God's name, what we're doing is we're worshiping him for being different. In other words, when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what you're actually saying is is that if you had a bad dad, God, you're better than my dad. 
God's not your dad because he's different. He's hallowed. He's holy. And what you're saying is even if you had a great dad, God is better than your dad. God is better. He's different. He's, he's high above. He's completely separate and better than any relationship you've ever experienced in your entire life. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And as I come into, a, into his presence, I hallow his name. What does that mean? It means I lift up his name. It means I worship his name. It means I exalt his name. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. And here's how Jesus began shaping our prayer. Okay, listen, is that many times when we come into God's presence, whenever we come into prayer, we're, we're praying about what's happening. But the invitation isn't to begin with praying what's happening. It's to praying who he is. And if you can begin establishing his presence and praying who he is, it brings all of your request into focus. And we see this all throughout the Bible. Here, here it is. Here's how you enter into prayer, into, into God's presence. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There's more. There's more. One more time. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Come on, everybody say it. Praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and ever and ever and ever. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. That's what it looks like to come into God's presence. And listen, some of us, what we're saying is, now, nah, but I have all these things I need to pray through. I have all these things I need to ask of God. Don't you understand? My life's on fire right now. That's the problem. If we pray like that, we'll never have faith for anything because our eyes are on the fire. Your eyes are on how broken everything is. And the invitation is to actually not focus on what's broken, but to actually focus on the one who's whole and the one who can put all those broken pieces back together again. And so before we come into God's presence asking anything, here's what Jesus says, is that the starting point of prayer is not requests, it's worship. The starting point of prayer is worship. I worship his name. Hallowed be your name. I remind myself of the beauty of his name. Listen, family, we are not praying to a nameless, faceless God. We are praying to Jehovah God. Our God has a name. He's revealed his name to us. He said, hey, you can acknowledge my name, pray in my name, hallow my name. I am not this mystical, distant, invisible, impersonal being that has no name. No, I am Jehovah God. And I'm telling you this, guys. This has begun to, this revolutionized my prayer life. That when we begin to establish his name in prayer, here's what happens, here's what happens. My exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayer. My exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayer. Because listen, right now, if you ever hear us pray on Saturday mornings, this is often what we're doing. And maybe you would piece it together now. Listen, when you're down here, everything looks big. Listen, your family situation, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your, your health thing, your finance thing, the political thing, all the, all the stuff that's happening out in the world, it looks in, unconquerable. Listen, but my, when I exalt his name, my faith is lifted off of what I'm able to do about that, and I'm beginning to put all of this junk in the right perspective of who God is. Why? Because there's power in his name. 
We're not just praying to this generic force. We are praying to Jehovah God. And here's what God does, okay? He do, I, I love this, okay? God reveals himself, one God, but God reveals different aspects of who he is throughout the Bible, right? And we find what we would just call nine Jehovah names of God. Nine Jehovah names of God. And here's what I wanna do. I wanna just fly through these and I wanna give them to you. Now, here's the idea. The goal isn't just to pray this. I don't always pray these exact names. No, I pray like this, right? Because Jesus gave us a blueprint on how to pray, a beautiful interstate that we can take some exit ramps, right? And so I pray like this, but here's the goal of all this, is to establish God's presence in prayer by hallowing his name. What's his name? His first name is this that he reveals to us is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. I know that's a word that we say all the time. Can we say it together? Jehovah, Sidkenu, which is the Lord our righteousness. I don't know about you guys. The number one thing that tends to hinder me in prayer um, is condemnation. Is what we call a sin consciousness, right? Because because I know what I did. You, you ever you ever sinned before? I know I know we haven't. Have you ever sinned before? And then you like go on spiritual probation. Like, well, I, just, I can't pray for two weeks. I'm just, I did too much. <laughs> no, why? Why? Because when we think about prayer and we think about sin, what happens is we drag ourselves condemned into God's presence based on what we have done. While we, instead we have a standing invitation from God to boldly approach the throne of grace, not based on what we have done, but based on what he has done. Right? We can come into God's presence with clean hands and a pure heart. We don't come into God's presence as sinners. We come into God's presence as, as redeemed, righteous saints because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Therefore, I am not a sinner. I am a saint. You are not a sinner. You are a saint because of Jesus, because of Jehovah's Sidkenu. Right? And, and, and here's what he tells us in James 5.16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the good news of this, guys. Here's the beautiful part of this. Is that we don't come to God because we are our righteousness. We come to God because he is our righteousness. You need to remember that. You need to remember. Because if you try and approach God based on your own righteousness, you'll never pray. There are people right now online who can't bring themselves to say, I'm going to go to church because I sin too much. That's because you're operating out of your own um, uh, insufficiency, your own wickedness. And what we are invited to do is to come into the place of prayer and instead saying, God, I know I'm unworthy, but you are my righteousness. You are Jehovah Sidkenu. I don't approach you based on me being righteous. I approach you based on you being righteous and then giving that righteousness to me that I'm not a slave, I'm not a sinner, I am a saint of the living God, because you are my righteousness. How much would it change the way you pray? The first thing you did when you came into prayer was establish his righteousness over your life. Now it starts flavoring everything that I pray. That's the first name, Jehovah Sikhanu. Here's the second name, Jehovah Kadesh. Everybody say Jehovah. Mmm, Kadesh. <laughs> All right, this is the Lord who sanctifies you. Sanctify, again, it means to make holy, to call out, to, to make separate, to be different. And what Paul talks about in, to the church in Corinth, he talks about how we used to be sinners, but then 1 Corinthians 6, 11, he says, and that's what some of you were. 
But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. In other words, guys, God is the one who's different. We approach him as he's different than my dad, he's different than, come on guys, he is different than who Oprah said he was. He is different than who society says he is. He's different than what the movies are. He's better than all that. And I say, God, you are different. You are sanctified. You are holy. You are separate. You are better than anything. And this one who's different has called me to be different. You have sanctified me. You've called me out from this world to live different in this world. Jehovah Mkadesh. Third one, Jehovah Shalom. Oh, we know this one. We like this one. The Lord is our peace. The Lord is our peace. Uh, shalom means to be full of well-being. Oh, I love that. Here's what shalom doesn't mean, the absence of conflict. In fact, Jesus says it, right? The night that he was betrayed, John 16, 33, right before he goes to the cross, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, shalom. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus promises us peace in the midst of a chaotic world. In other words, when I come into God's presence, here's what we do. We say, God, I've been so anxious, I have been so nervous, and I've been so worried. But right now, I lift my eyes up of all the, off of the, all those things, and I come into the presence of Jehovah Shalom, the one who says I can be in the storm, but the storm doesn't have to be in me. I can be in the chaos, but the chaos doesn't have to be in me. God, right now I come into the presence of the one who fills me with well-being. I'm complete and I'm whole because I'm in your presence. That's why it's different to come out of the chaotic world and you just kind of come into God's presence, even if it's you're in your car, some of you are in church today because I just need shalom. And that's what it's like to be in God's presence when you come in and establish the presence of Jehovah Shalom. Here's the fourth name, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. I love this. I think it's in Ezekiel when they're rebuilding um, the, the city of Jerusalem. God says, here's how to name the city. The name of Jerusalem, God's name for Jerusalem is Jehovah Shammah. He says, here's what you're, you're, you're to call Jerusalem. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. In other words, the Lord is present. You ever read it before where David in the Old Testament, he says, God, even if I made my bed in hell, you would be there. Right? Wait, anybody in here ever made your bed in hell? And you're like, I can't believe he's saying that. Like, you're not supposed to say H-E double hockey sticks in church. Like, I can't believe that. Come on, guys. Sometimes life is terrible. Here's what, here's what he's saying. No matter if you're having your best day or you're making your bed in hell, God's right there. God's right there. You can't get away from him. You, you didn't escape him. He didn't forget about you. And he says, even if your mother and father have forsaken you, see, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. I could never forget you. I could never forsake you. I will never leave you. If you're on the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, you come in and you establish my presence. The Jehovah Shammah is right here. Come on, how much would it change the way we pray that when we come into prayer, we aren't like, well, God, would you please come? I think you're like a million miles away somewhere. Like, would you please? No, Jehovah Shammah, he's right here already. Listen, he was here before I got here. He's gonna be here after I got here. He's right here. He is right here, and we establish his presence in prayer. You'll pray different. You'll pray different. Here's the fifth name. Oh, we love this one too. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. 
The first time we see Jehovah Jireh, oh, this is so good, guys. Jehovah Jireh is when Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at Isaac and says, Jehovah Jireh. I got me some Holy Ghost tingles on that one. <laughs> Here's what we've done, guys. And we have, we've, we've, like we do, we screwed the whole thing up. And we put Jehovah Jireh in a box of money. That's what we do because we're so selfish. Listen, God is well able to take care of your bank account. But here's what Jehovah Jireh actually means. It means that we have a God who sees the needs of his people and provides for those needs. If you have emotional needs, God can meet those needs. If you have financial needs, God can meet those needs. If you have family needs, God can meet those needs. God, God, it all belongs to God. Listen, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. We have the God who causes water to come out of rocks and manna to come into the middle of a desert. We have the God who can feed 5,000 people with a Lunchable. <laughs> and yet we come into his presence, we're like, oh, I don't, well, if you can, I don't know. It's like, what do you mean? It's all mine. And we have a God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask or imagine according to his glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus. And what we're invited to do is to come into God's presence and not say, oh, my bank account, oh, the government, no, oh, the financial meltdown over here. No, I lift my eyes up of all that and say, God, before my parent is my provider and my boss is my provider, my government is my provider. No, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, God, who can make a way where there is no way because it all belongs to you. You pray different when you pray like that. I'm not looking at all my mess. No, I, I know that even if the whole world is, 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 has famine, God will take care of his kids. I've been young, I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or see begging for bread. Number six, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. So when I pray, here's what I'm doing. I'm reminding myself that I'm coming before the God who heals. Okay, Exodus um, Exodus 15, 26. This is, no, I want you to notice, this is first person. God says, he speaks to his people. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. This is so important, family. Listen, we did not call him Jehovah Rapha. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha. Some of you are wondering, like, oh, why does victory pray for the sick every single Sunday? Listen, because we believe he is who he says that he is. And this is why it's such a big deal. You're like, well, you can do that, but I don't really believe that God heals. Well, then you're calling God a liar. Because we don't call him this. He calls himself this. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. This is my identity. And so when we come into God's presence, listen, this is how we're, lots of times we're down here and we're like, oh, the, the illness here. Oh, the disease here. Oh, the cancer's too big. What we're doing, we're invited to lift up, to hallow his name and say, God, I thank you for the doctors. I thank you for the nurses. I thank you for the hospitals. I thank you for the chemo. I thank you for the radiation. I thank you for the medicine. I thank you for all these advancements. But God, bigger than all that, you are the God who makes a way where there is no way and what's impossible with man is possible with God. And you made me a promise to forget not the Lord and all his benefits. He who forgives all our sins and heals all of our diseases that we are healed by the stripes on the back of Jesus because you have called yourself Jehovah Rapha and I agree that that's your name. I agree that that's your name. Number seven, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here, here, here's, what, here's what I acknowledge when I come into God's presence, I acknowledge Jehovah Rohi, is that I have a shepherd who knows what I need, even before I ask. Sheep don't know to ask. They just follow their shepherd. When I lack wisdom, 
I have a shepherd who knows. Listen, this is what we do. We say, God, should I choose a, door A or door B? And God's like, listen, I'm a shepherd. There's a door C. You didn't even know. I just need you to trust me and follow me even when it doesn't make sense. Come and follow me. God is the God who gives wisdom. That's why when we come into God's presence, we're not focused on all this stuff down here. No, we're gonna seek first the kingdom. We're, not, we're gonna acknowledge God and not lean on our own understanding. We're gonna acknowledge him and then he's gonna direct our path because he's a good shepherd. If you ever come to me and you pray for wisdom, you say, I, I need to know where to go, I'm always gonna pray that God would show up as your good shepherd. Every single time, right? Number eight, oh, this might be my favorite one. Jehovah Shaboth, the Lord of hosts. <laughs> okay, 285 times in the Bible, God is called the Lord of heaven's armies. Ha! And when I remember his name in prayer, and when I exalt his name in prayer, I'm reminded, listen, sometimes, how much would this change your prayer? If when you come in to the, the, the place of prayer, you're reminded that you're not approaching somebody who's weak and feeble and powerless. You're actually approaching the one who has the name that is above every single name. He has the power that's above every single power. He's the glory that's above every single glory. He's the king that's above every single king. He has all dominion, glory, honor, power, authority, power. Come on, there is nothing that our God cannot do. And when, when David comes into the battlefield against Goliath, here's what he prays. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But today I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Listen, this is the God who has a million angels, a billion, a hundred trillion angels at his disposal. This is the God that, that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter's cutting off ears and Jesus is like, don't you think I could call 60,000 angels just like that and wipe out the whole world? This is the God who has the name that is above every name. Therefore, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because I have the God who's the king of heaven's armies that is for me and not against me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Some of you need to say, what can man do to me? Because I have Jehovah Shaboth. Come on. I have the God of heaven's armies. That's who I pray to. This is the God who came down on fire at Mount Carmel. This is the God who parted the Red Sea. This is the, this is the God who, with Elisha, the hillsides are surrounded with flaming chariot army angels. Come on, this is the, this is the God who said, light. And it happened. This is the God who took some dirt, formed it, and was like, Adam. And yet we come into his presence like, well, God, my, my job's really hard. I don't know if you can do anything about it. And this is why when a man comes to Jesus, right? And he's like, hey, my son's really sick. If you can do any. And Jesus is like, if I can. Do you know who you're talking to? If I can. I'm the Lord of heaven's armies. How much would it change the way we pray? If when we come in, we get our eyes off of that mess and we lift our eyes up and we see that the one who's for us is greater than the one who's against us. Listen, our dad can beat up their dad. That's right. Every time. Every time. Here's the last name. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our victory. Because of everything we just prayed, the Lord is our victory. Jehovah Nisi literally means the Lord is our war banner. If you ever watched like the really old school movies, like, like, like 
trying to portray stuff like thousands of years ago. Whenever the armies would go into battle, they would have the long poles with their kingdom's flag on it. And what they're saying is, we're actually coming into battle, but we're representing this kingdom. This kingdom is behind us and in us and for us and ahead of us. And here's what we see all throughout the Bible, guys, is that over and over and over and over and over again, God's people were outmatched, outmaneuvered, and outgunned. But God defied it all, and he gave them the victory every single time they were following him. Every single time. And so what we have to do, what we're invited to do, guys, is when we come into the place of prayer, that no matter what life is thrown at us, no matter what fiery darts the enemy is shooting at us, we recognize that our God fights for us. And that he has given us the victory. That Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has defeated your enemy, the devil. He has the keys of it all. And he reigns in victory. The war is already won. War is already won. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. Some of y'all need to thank God for victory. For the nine names of God that we are invited to pray. There is power in remembering God's name in prayer. And my exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayers. Come on, family. Do you understand what I'm saying now? You didn't understand it before. Now you understand. The, my exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayers. When I understand that the Lord is my righteousness, my sanctifier, my peace, he's there, he's my provider, he's my healer, he's my shepherd, he's my victory, he's the conqueror. How much would it change us in our world if we prayed like that, if we began even before we asked for a thing, we established his name in prayer? And listen, family. I'm gonna give you one more name that flavors all the rest. Abba. Abba. Jesus calls us to pray. Our pater, our father, or in Aramaic, our Abba, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. God is everything that we just prayed, but the thing that flavors all of it is that he's our father. Here's just one scripture, and we'll close on this. Galatians 4, 6. Because you are his sons. Your son, sons is a gender-neutral thing in the kingdom because it implies inheritance. Your sons and his daughters, but privilegedly, your, your sons in that, in that culture. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So if we're actually children and we can call him Father, then what happens? So you're no longer a slave, but now you're God's child. And since you're his child, God has also made you an heir. In other words, you're not just a child in name only. You're not like fourth in the list. No, you've actually been brought into the kingdom as a child of the living God because of faith in Jesus Christ with full inheritance rights. In other words, the kingdom belongs to you because you're God's kid. And so when, here's what's happening, guys. When we pray our Father who are in heaven, our, when we pray our Father right behind it, what we're implying is we're his kids, Right? If we pray our father, what we're really saying is, I'm your child. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. I love you. 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 But I love my sons more. I love my sons more than I love you. Sorry, not sorry. Because <laughs> you'd say the same thing. I love you all. I love them more. My sons have special access to me that you don't. I, I say this unashamedly. I will pass by 10,000 people in this church if I hear the cry of my sons. And I'll pay attention just to them. I'll pass all of you to get to them. 
And that is what it's like to be a child of God. God knows your cry. And he bypasses a million others just to get to you. Listen, here's what this means. Jehovah Rapha, we have our God. We do not just have a cold divine doctor in heaven who says, hey, okay, you have a prayer request? Get the back of the line. No, we have a divine doctor in heaven who's our dad. He says, come to the front of the line. You have Jehovah Nisi. He doesn't say get the back of the line. He says, come to the front of the line. You have, you have Jehovah Jireh. He doesn't say like, hey, fill out an application in the back of the line. No, no, no. What do you need? Because you're my kid. What do you need? And what we have to do, family, we have to stop praying as slaves. And we have to start praying like sons and daughters of God. Because we have the righteous, sanctifying, present, healing, victorious, conquering, king, shepherd, who's also our dad. And what would it look like? I just, I get boggled by this. What would it look like for today for the men of this house to start praying like that? What would it look like if you stopped fighting with your family and actually started fighting for your family? What would it look like if the men of this house started leading and praying like that? Started modeling what it looks like started making it easy for your family to see God as the Father because they see reflections of God the Father in you. It, listen, guys, I've said it a million times before. I'm gonna say it a million more times. You were made for something great. Men, you were made for something great, and I'm calling you up to it. Today's the day to step up and start leading like that and praying like that. You're, listen, there's no time for pity parties. Men, I can talk to you like this because we respond like this. There's no time for pity parties. Yes, the best time to start was 20 years ago. Second best time to start is today. 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 No better day than right now. No condemnation. Just time to step up and be the man of God that God's called you to be. Start leading and praying like that. And I'll just take that and explain that out to everybody. What would it look like if victory, if we started praying and leading like this? Establishing God's presence in prayer. Our marriages get better, our families get better, our emotions get better, our finances get better, our health gets better, our world gets better, our work gets better, our kids get better. Everything starts getting better. When we lift up our eyes and before we ask for a thing, before we ask for a thing, we just lift up our eyes and we say, wow. <laughs> that may be the most spiritual thing you pray on the other side of here. God, I've got all these issues, but wow. You're Jehovah. And when I exalt your name, my expectation goes through the roof because you're able to do it all. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, let's pause right here and let's pray. <sighs> Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is here. Come on, family, God is right here. You don't ask, have to ask him to come because he's already here because his name is Jehovah Shema. And what I wanna do in just a second, I wanna, I wanna pray through the names and I just, I just wanna pray and I wanna glorify God like that. But before we take that step, 
I feel like God's saying this, is that there's some of us in here who maybe grew up saying the Lord's Prayer, maybe you're just learning it newly now. But here, here's kind of the challenge, okay, is that God can't just be the Father, He has to be our Father. Does that make sense? God can't just be the Father. I'm just acknowledging him as God out there. No, 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 no. He's not the Father. He's my Father. And my question is, have you ever made him your Father? Have you ever been adopted into the kingdom through faith in Jesus? Here's, here's what Scripture says. We are children of God through faith in Jesus. We come into the family with full inheritance rights because of Christ alone. We are not our own righteousness. He's our righteousness. And here's the good news today, guys. The family has openings. <laughs> and how cool would it be? I was thinking about this earlier. How cool would it be if the story for the rest of your life is, I came into the family of God on Father's Day. God became my father on Father's Day. I'd never had a father, but God became my father on Father's Day. And if that's your story, if you want that to be your story, it comes through faith in Christ. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite you to pray with us and family of God. We're gonna, we're gonna pray this together. But let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, today I confess you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you died for my sin and you rose from the grave. That you're alive. So right now I respond and I repent of my sin my way, I leave it behind and I turn to you. Today, I am forgiven, I am righteous, I am holy and I am clean because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And right now, I am a child of God and God is my Father forevermore because of Jesus. You have my bad days and you have my good days. You have all of my days for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's so good. That's so good. Here's what we're gonna do. Stand up to your feet. Just real quick. Just stand up to your feet. Come on, I want us to pray like this. Let's just, let's just spend two minutes right here. Come on, let's pray like this. Father, right now, I thank you that you are Jehovah's Sidkenu that you are the Lord, our righteousness. God, that here today, we aren't clean and holy because of our own works. We're clean and holy because of the works of Jesus Christ. You are our righteousness. Therefore, when we sin, we don't have to go on spiritual probation, but God, you are righteousness. God, you are also our sanctifier. Your sanctification. God, you are different. You're better. I just say that. Come on, guys. Some of you just need to say, God, you're better than anybody's ever said you were. You're better than any pastor ever said you were, God. You're better than my dad was, God. You're better than the world says you are. God, you're different. You're different, you're different. God, you are also Jehovah Shalom. And right now we cast our cares on you because you care for us and you're giving us the peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Even if we live in a chaotic world, the chaos doesn't have to be in us because you are Jehovah Shalom. You are also Jehovah Shama. God, right now you are here and I pray on this Father's Day, God, you would begin healing any abandonment issues that are inside the family of God who feel like we're alone, we're lost, and we're forgotten. Father, I thank you that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. And I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, God who sees the needs of your people and provides for those needs. We don't have to panic and worry about what's happening in the world because our God is our Father, is our provider. 
and you are also Jehovah Rapha. And so God, any of our sickness and disease, we bring it before you. God, I thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. You have called yourself the Lord who heals us. And I believe you will, and I believe you are healing us. God, I thank you that you are Jehovah Rohi. You are a good shepherd who knows and leads and guides. God, we trust your leadership. You are Jehovah Saboth. God, you are the God of all power, the God of angel armies, who is more than enough and well capable to deal with anything and everything that's happening in my world because you're also Jehovah Nisi and you've already won the victory. And God, the, the name that flavors all of these is Abba. And I thank you, Father, that you're a king eternal that also loves us and cares for us and sees us and loves us like the best dad we've ever had. We love you and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Come on, let's give glory to God.